Thank you. I'm going to grab my second brain. Thank you. Good morning. I enjoyed myself at Sabbath school. Did you? Those of you who weren't at Sabbath school, you should have been at Sabbath school. Let me burden you with this. Uh, the blessings are given early. <laughs> so you ought to show up early to church. Well, uh, I enjoyed myself. I hope you learned something and, and you got something. I'm going to continue with that after I make a few announcements. Announcement number one. This is the Christmas season. Do not borrow a dime to buy Christmas presents. Now, why do I say that? There are some people sitting here right now who are still paying for last Christmas. <laughs> and the people you gave gifts to don't even remember what you gave them. So if you don't have the cash, bake some cookies, hand it to them, tell them I love you, have these beautiful cookies. Don't borrow a dime, I'm telling you. People expect the gifts because we're greedy. <laughs> but don't usually appreciate them. I found this out. Most people don't have enough money to buy what I really want anyway. <laughs> So I'm thankful for the socks and I'm thankful for the ties, but uh, don't borrow money. It doesn't make any sense. We should not be in debt. And the goal is not to get out of debt. The goal is to stay out of debt. I've discovered that when you get out of debt, the next thing you do is get back in debt. Because now you can afford the bills of the debt again. Don't, if we could do what it says in Romans 13, Owe no man anything but love. We should strive to live that way. Do you know there are people who actually live like this? And they're not rich people, yet they don't owe anybody anything. And when they feel like going on a vacation, they get on a plane and go. While we've got these big homes and big cars and big bills and can't do anything. And we are working for things that don't even know we have them. <laughs> so I'm just suggesting don't go deeper in debt at this Christmas season. That's number one. Number two. Everything I say about money is not about money. I'm really talking about your relationship with God. That's what I'm talking about. Money is involved just like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was involved for Adam and Eve. It was never about the tree. It was about their love, obedience, and trust in God. Let me tell you about the tree. In the garden, God gave Adam Everything in that garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Only one tree. He says, that's my tree. You can have everything else, enjoy everything else. Don't come near my tree and don't touch it. 
And then he made Eve for Adam, and they were happy. And somehow Eve wandered away from Adam, and we get to blame the women for all the problems in the world until we read the story correctly. <laughs> Eve went to the tree. Adam should have kept up with her. Somehow they separated. She got to the tree. The devil was in the serpent and said, eat, the, eat of the fruit. She said, no, no. God said not to do that. And he said, look, I'm eating it and I'm not dead. You will not surely die. And so she took some and ate it. And nothing changed in the garden. She still had a robe of light. And she took that uh, fruit over to Adam. And said, Adam tasted it. And Adam now was faced with a choice. He was either going to obey God or die with this woman. And he waited. And he said, I think I'm, I know what it's like to be alone. And God told me, it is not good. That man should be alone. So he said, I will eat the fruit and die with her. And ate the fruit and immediately they lost their robe of light. And death became our heritage. Notice there was no death, no loss of robe of light when Eve ate the fruit. Now why is that? Because God didn't give the instruction to Eve. He gave it to Adam. And here's something I've discovered about men. We're just as stupid today as Adam was then. Because we still let our wives tell us what we will and won't do. Now, you don't believe me? Just watch. Now, all of it. Nah, I'm head of my house. You're head of your... Here's the problem. Uh, this isn't my subject. Yes, it is. It's stewardship. Stewardship. Let's talk about stewardship of husband and wife. Stewardship, management. Now, here's the problem. Women have always been equal to men. Equality has never been the issue. Women have always been equal to men. Women are an equal expression of God as man is an expression of God. Equal. Let us make man in our image. In the image of God created he them. Male and female created he them. So, male and female, God, we can't get the full picture of God without either one. We're only a partial picture. Yet, men still allow women to tell them what to do. Most of the decisions that are made are made by women. Purchase decisions. In fact, I, I spent most of my plane ride over here listening to a guy who wrote a book and one of the big, do you know that women make something like 70% of all economic decisions? Women do. Women are the target market for anything you're trying to sell. Because women make the decision. But it's because men won't stand up and be responsible. The issue is responsibility, not equality. And God gave man the responsibility of seeing to it that his family is saved. Made him the high priest of the home, which means you have a responsibility that you can't leave to her. 
And I am so happy to see the amount of men that are in this church because most church are filled with women because men, for several reasons, don't think it's for them. But I'm here to say you cannot be a real man if you are not a man of God. It is impossible to be a real man. You will be a brute. You will be uh, abusive. Uh, when you're trying to stand up and be the man, you won't know how to be a man if you don't understand how to be a godly man, a man of God, a man who follows God. And by the way, women want you to be that. Did you hear the women said amen? They want you to stand up and stand on your principles. They'll test you. And when you fail the test, they don't respect you which is why they won't let you lead them. I had the older ladies say preach on that one. <laughs> so brothers, here's the key. Get to know God, follow his word, and you will attract any woman you want. If you're married, I'm just looking at you. If you're married, there's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Tell me, women, what's more important, security or looks? Security. Wow. Hey. Ugliest man in the world can catch the finest woman if she will stand up and be a man. Not a brute, not a tyrant, a loving, godly man. Now that one was worth my trip here. <laughs> I can go home now. You got everything you need. But I'm going to go back to my presentation now. <laughs> so if you will cue up the slides. Uh, let me give those of you who weren't at Sabbath school the cliff notes of what we talked about. We're talking about a biblical philosophy of money. The first point I made is God owns everything. We own nothing. The only thing we really can say we own is a choice. A choice to obey or disobey. That's all we own. God owns everything. So everything that's got our name on it and we're responsible for paying, that's not ours. It's God's. And if it's not ours, that means God can tell us what to do with everything. And if God says, give it away, you ought to give it away and thank him because he's only asking you to make room for something better. And I said this morning, and I was teasing, but it's true. If you will get rid of all the stuff that's cluttering up your house because somebody else can use it, God will fill up your house again. And it won't require you to buy it all. Because we talked about this issue of favor. God just does things for you when you're obedient to him. That's my testimony. He just does things. You, do you know that I have been given a Lincoln Navigator, a new one, just here. Have a Lincoln Navigator. Didn't ask for it, just favor. I needed a car, and folk gave me a car. And then the Lord, later on, said, give the car to someone else. And I actually gave it away. The Lincoln Navigator is no longer in my garage. You know why? It was never mine. It's not, the clothes on your back, they are not yours. They belong to God. He gives you all things richly to enjoy, but it's, that's, if it were yours, you could carry it to the grave. You can't do it. Can't do it. 
So remember, everything belongs to God. That is fundamental because if that's true, tithes and offerings is not an issue. But it is an issue <laughs> because you're not giving it. And the reason you're not giving it, most of you is, now you might put a diff different excuse on it, but the reason you're not doing it is because you do not believe God. The fundamental truth is, I do not believe you. Now what did God say? Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure you use, it will be measured to you again. You're a stingy giver, you're a stingy receiver. You're a liberal giver, you're a liberal receiver. That's the truth. But some people will never learn the truth because they won't believe God. And not believing God, they won't trust him. And not trusting him, they won't do what he says. They don't do what he says, they cannot get God-sized results. I don't care how long you've been in the church. You will not get God-sized results without doing what God says. And God's not, just let me hurry up. I got to get through my slides now. <laughs> I really want, that was the first thing. God owns everything. The second thing is God gives us everything to enjoy. The third thing I said was that there are things more important than money. And those who are at Sabbath school will give you those lessons. Now I'm going to say the fourth thing. Money should not be your primary motivation. We saw that slide, so we'll go on to the next one. Blessing others should be your primary motivation. Blessing others should be your primary motivation. I was talking this morning about the fact God owns everything. He's the trustor. We get to manage what God puts in our hands. That makes us the trustee. But we manage for the benefit of others. God gives us everything richly to enjoy, but others are supposed to benefit from be our being blessed. Others are supposed to benefit from our being blessed. Blessing others should be your primary motivation because when you bless others, you receive what you give. Be not deceived. God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth that. It didn't say, wheresoever a man soweth, there shall he also reap. It said, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Most of the time, your reaping comes from someplace you did not sow. But God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So if I want big blessings, I ought to be giving big blessings. Now let's examine this from the scripture. Matthew 6, 19 and 20 says, Lay not up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now the thing that I want to talk about is, lay up for yourselves. Treasures in heaven. Lay up for yourself treasure in heaven. I'm saying it over and over because I want you to get the concept. Lay up for who? Yourself. 
treasure where? Now the first question is, how on earth do I get treasure in heaven for me? How do I get treasure in heaven? Mark 10, 21 and forward, we get to see. Now I'm going to read more of it than what's on the slide. So let me move to Mark 10, uh, 24 very quickly so that when I get there, I will be able to complete the thought. Bible says here in verse 21, and looking at him, who? This young, no, looking at, yeah, the man that's doing the looking was a rich young ruler. Who was he? The rich young ruler. So let me uh, find it here. Uh, Starting at verse 17, if you have your Bibles, you can follow. And he was gone forth into the way and there came running and kneeled to him and asked him, uh, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor your father and mother. And he, this man that asked the question, answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Now here's the important, most important part of the text. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him. That's the most important part of the text. Then Jesus beholding him, loved him. So whatever he was about to say was based on the fact, I love this guy. And he said, one thing thou lackest. Now here was a good man. We call him a good Christian man. Jesus started reciting the Ten Commandments and said, do that. And he said, I've been doing that from my youth up. So we can say this guy was keeping the commandments of God and he should have been okay. But God said, hold on. One thing you will lack. You lack something. Now, this is not the prescription for the world. This was the prescription for this man because he lacked something. Now, we often preach this like uh, this is for everybody. No, this was for this man. But understand what Jesus was saying. He said, one thing you lack. Go thy way, sell whatever thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. How do I get treasure in heaven? Give to the poor. I'm going to explain who the poor are. It's not always those who are below the United States government's poverty line. I'll explain who the poor are in a minute. Bill Gates can be poor. The richest man on the planet can be poor. So it's not about money that makes you poor. But I'll come back to that. God, Jesus loved this man and told him, you need to sell what you have, give to the poor, you will have treasure in heaven, and then come take up your cross and follow me. And he said, and he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Jesus looked around about and said to his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is, 
How hard is it for them that trust in riches? So he broke it down a little more. It's not that they have them. It's that they trust them. They trust riches. Uh, to, it's hard for people who trust money to get to heaven. It is not money keeping people out of heaven. It's people trusting money. Money will be my power in this earth. Money will be my buffer between me and poverty. Money will be my salvation. People who trust money have a hard time because they can't trust God while they trust money. One of the reasons God gave tithes and offerings of money is because he wanted to keep us from trusting it. And we still trust it more than we trust God. If we didn't trust it more than we trust God, 100% of the membership of this church would return a full tithe and a liberal offering. And I guarantee you no more than one out of three members of this church tithe. I have not looked at the books. I don't have to. That is because Christian people are concerned about their money. The problem is you never accepted that it's not yours. Wow. Come on, God. That's the fundamental problem. You think because I got up every morning early and I fought the traffic to go to, church, to work and that money came into my bank account, that's mine. It is not yours. It is God's. And he doesn't mind you enjoying it. Just give him his part. That is the basis of his relationship with you. Don't touch my tree. You can have all the other trees, but don't touch my tree. It's not that I need this tree. Everything is mine. I let you enjoy all that. I just, this is here to remind you where you got all that stuff. Because we get all puffed up. I got a promotion. I got all this talent. I'm making all this money. I've got this nice car. I've got this nice house. Look at my beautiful clothes. Look at my nice children. My, oh, uh, my, hey. And God said, hold on, where do you get that? That's what tithing offering is about. Not money. Tithing offering is about I trust God. This man went away sorrowful because he had a lot of possessions and didn't want to give them up. Jesus loved him, which is why he asked him to give them up. Now, you don't believe me. That's why you won't give tithe and offering. But you keep following me right here. At the end of the service, everybody's going to want to give tithes and offerings. I guarantee it. I, I don't even have to finish this slide. At the end of what I'm saying right here, everybody's going to want to do it. Remember, Jesus loved the guy and said, you lack something. You got a lot of money. Give it up. And the man went away sorrowful. And Jesus turned to his disciples and said, it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven, you know. And they're looking. And he said, no, no, really. It's hard because they trust that stuff. And they don't trust God. Now look at the word he said, the rest of them. He loved the guy, which is why he asked him to give it up. Keep, what, keep reading. 
And they were astonished, verse 26. Out of measure, they were shocked, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? <laughs> See, they thought if you were rich, that's because God blessed you. And the more you had, the more was proof you were right with God because they knew everything came from God. So if you had a lot of it, God must really like you. That's what they thought. And then he said, that boy can't make it to heaven. They said, then who can make it? Jesus said, looking upon them, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto them, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Now Peter said, oh yeah, Lord, I get with that. That man had a lot. We don't have a lot because we left everything to come to you. We were fishermen. In fact, we had a thriving business. In fact, their thriving business was so good when they left it, Jesus died, they could go back to it because it was still thriving. We left that, Lord. I know we're saved. Then Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that hath left house or brethren or sisters or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive a hundredfold. Oh, that's pie in the sky by and by. Now. Thank you. Somebody caught it. Well, I'll say it again slowly. He shall receive, if you've left all these things, he shall receive a hundred. Why did we leave it? Let's be clear about why we left it. We left it for God's sake and the gospel. I'm not leaving it so I can get more. I'm leaving it for God. And the gospel. I'm doing it out of a heart of love for God. Not for what I will get for it. Some people tithe only because they heard if I tithe I'll get a blessing. That's the only reason they tithe. They tithe and they look up with their hand out. That is not why you tithe. You tithe out of a grateful heart God. All you ask is 10% and whatever I choose to give as an offering in exchange for the 90%. I'm grateful for what I've got. That's what tithe and offering is about. But there's a blessing in it that he says, if you will return my tithe, I will give you the blessing, Deuteronomy 8.18, which is the power to get wealth. So anything you need, whenever you need it, you have the power. Jesus. A lot of us don't use the power. We just sit down and pray, Lord, I'm hungry. Bring me a fish sandwich. (laughs) And nothing happens. Now you laugh, but that's how we pray. How many people pray an entire prayer to the point of amen and never ask for anything? Not one. Our prayers, thank you for being God. Now, give me, 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 give me. Please give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Amen. That's our prayer. 
Sometimes we need the discipline of just remembering what he already did. I was in a car accident, but I wasn't killed. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't have the money for my rent, but they didn't kick me out. Thank you. Not, Lord, I need the rent money. Lord, I'm still in a house. Thank you. Just sometimes, just like, can we be thankful? But here the man, Jesus is saying, I was not trying to make the rich man poor. I was trying to make the rich man richer. But he wouldn't let me because he thought if he gave, he would lose. That's why you don't tie. The fear that I'm losing something. But Jesus said, if you give it for the God, my sake in the gospels, I'll give it back to you a hundredfold. Now, in this present time, what is he saying? All your needs shall be supplied. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think to ask. That's what we have access to and we keep this little miserly mindset of if I give the church anything, I'm going to lose out. You're killing yourself. Now here are your options. You can be a faithful blesser. <laughs> That's right. You are blessed to be a blessing till all the families of the earth are blessed. You can be a faithful blesser or you can be cursed with a curse. Those are the op biblical options. You are cursed with a curse, even this whole nation of you. But he says, if you return to me, I'll return to you and I'll do something else. I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. All these things that are coming against you, I'll handle those for you. That's why the Bible can say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's why it can say, because I'm covered in the favor of God. And folk will try and it'll hurt my feelings, but their weapons don't work. I'm telling you, I've lived it. I've lived in the direct firing line of Satan himself. I've had people try to literally take my ministry from me. Tried to. That was their stated goal. I am now Jackson Michael Doggett Jr. Ordained Seventh-day Adventist minister of the gospel and I'm still preaching. They couldn't stop it. No weapon. And it's because of God's favor. And I'm telling you, you are hurting yourself if you're trying to keep a few coins that still aren't enough for what you're trying to do. That doesn't make any sense. And God says, I'm going to reward you in extravagance a hundredfold. I 
I'm not trying to do a one-to-one -one exchange. I'm telling you I'm God. I don't need anything from you. But if you trust me, I will make you fat. The liberal soul shall be made prosperous. That's Bible. And that's not any, you know, uh, prosperity preaching. I'm telling you that God himself said it and I should trust God and let him be God and I can just be blessed. Yeah. Yeah. Now, to get treasure in heaven, I've got to give to the poor. Yeah. Isn't that what the Bible said? Who are the poor? The poor are those who lack something they need. If I have the ability to provide for a need, I should provide it. The Bible says when someone comes to you, don't say be filled and be clothed. If you've got it within your power to do it, give it to them. Why? Because you are my hands at that time. I will make sure that whatever you give for me will come back to you a hundredfold. And yet, we won't trust God. We say, oh God, I got this. That's what we're saying. I got this, but you don't got this. <laughs> I know that's bad English, but you got my point. <laughs> really? You know why I'm shouting and screaming and spitting and turning red? Because I want you to get the blessing. I know what it is. It's something. I'm enthusiastic because I have come to the mountain. I have seen the promised land. <laughs> and I'm telling, trying to tell you, come and go with me. Now, I haven't fully arrived, but I know the destination. God has let me see it, and I'm trying to show you. That's why I'm screaming and shouting and won't finish these 22 slides. But blessing others, you'll have treasure in heaven if you'll give to the poor. How do I lay up treasure in heaven? He who is generous will be what? He who gives some of his food, for he gives some of his food to who? The person that has a need that you can fill. That's who a poor person is. It's not the poverty stricken in our minds. It's a person who has what you can give. Sometimes a person just needs somebody to say, you can make it. I know it's been tough, but you can make it. I've been through what you've been through. I made it. You can make it. Here, let's pray. I know that may be what they need. They are, you have just put some treasure in heaven. That you can access. See, that's the other part. I, I, I'll get you. I, I'll show you how to access it. It's so simple. <laughs> it's so simple. But uh, then Proverbs 19:70, He who is gracious to a poor man lends to who? Now. That's what the Bible says. If you will provide a need that somebody has, it's he, if you've done it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. So it says, if you, he is gracious to a poor man, lends to the Lord, and he, the Lord, will repay him. <laughs> you don't lose anything. This is what I'm trying to get you to understand. Yes, yes. You are not losing except when you're not giving. 
What you could have had, you won't have because you won't give. But if you give, you're giving unto the Lord. And the Lord has obligated himself. I didn't write this. The Lord obligated himself to repay you. How much you're paying? A hundredfold. Now, we don't always recognize it when God's paying. We don't. We need transportation and we want a BMW. Because the pastor's got a BMW and he got one, I could have one. And then you get a Toyota. And then you got a down mouth, but that Toyota was given to you. Now the pastor's got to pay for a BMW, you got to pay for a Toyota, and both of you can get where you're going. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? God is paying us all the time. All the time, all the time. What we are doing, though, is not recognizing God and squandering what he gives us. Squandering how? On our selfish desires. How do I access my treasure in heaven? You want to know this. James 4, 2 and 3. You do not have because you do not. You ask and do not receive because you ask with so that you may spend it on your pleasures. The way to get all this treasure into heaven is to be generous to other people. The way to get it from heaven is to ask for it without the desire to just spend it all. Didn't I tell you, God will keep the channel supplied if we will be a blessing? We get it up there, we ask for it, it comes down, he gives us all things richly to enjoy, now bless somebody with it. It goes back up there, we ask for it, and we get to richly enjoy it, and we share it with somebody else, and it gets up there, and it comes back down, and we get to richly enjoy it, and share it with somebody, and it gets up there. Here's what happens. We, we start out good, uh, okay? And I recommend those of you who still are not willing to give a full tithe, give something toward tithe. Start. According to your faith, start. And we, we give and, and, and it's a blessing and we get some up there and we ask, Lord, please. And it comes down and we shut the gate. Then we say, okay, Lord, I want some more. All right, I won't eat. I'll call it fasting. Now you got to give it to me. Okay, I'll touch and agree with two or three other folk. Because two or three agree on anything, I'll hear you, and, and, and we're waiting, and nothing happens. You know why? You shut off the flow. That's what happened. We wanted to consume it on our own pleasures. He gives us all things richly to enjoy, but share. It goes up. It comes back down when we ask for it, and we get to enjoy it, and we share. And it goes up, and when it comes back down when we ask for it, and we share. You ever stop doing that, it stops going up and stops coming down. Now, you have some knowledge that will get you through any economic crisis that comes in America. God is never broke. 
I know people and I know myself. I have been unemployed as an adult and I did not miss a meal. I had a place to sleep. I bought new clothes. I had cars. I know what it's like to not have and not, not know where the next dollar is coming from. I one time, as an adult man with a law degree, had to unload Sears trucks for $25 a day. And yet I lost nothing. I missed. You know why? I was having a hard economic time, but God had everything that I needed when I needed. I got it because I'm in this. And, and, and while I had nothing, I was sharing the nothing I had. Because yeah. that's the only way to get the, the process going. You've got to be a liberal giver. You've got to share. And when you do, God is obligated. He obligated himself to make sure that all of your needs will be supplied. I didn't have all my wants. I wanted to be able to say, yes, I work for this and that. I didn't have a job. I couldn't say it. What I could say is I'm not hungry. I have a place to sleep. Everybody's safe. You know, I don't like it. Sometimes I have to walk instead of drive because I don't have any gas, but I get where I need to go. Yes, yes, yes. See, we've got this distorted view that I'm supposed to become a multimillionaire because I return tithe. The way you become a multimillionaire is learn how to handle money. <laughs> That's how you become one. <laughs> Okay, uh, I'm going to pause. Any questions on this point? Because this is a very important point. <laughs> you want to get treasure in heaven, you got to be a giver. And then you got to ask, but don't ask just to be selfish. You ask, and you get to enjoy, you get your needs met, you get to enjoy things, but then you want to give. You want to share, you want to provide for people who have needs. And it, it keeps working. Any questions? Oh, I'm not... Any questions? Okay, good stuff. Very good. Let's keep going. <laughs> You've got to choose your primary motivation. Now, I said money should not be your primary motivation. We keep reading for where your treasure is, there will your heart be. The eye is the lamp of the body, so then if your eye is clear, the whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Here's the thing, you, you're hitting walls and don't know why your head hurts. Why can't I get my breakthrough? Because you're not a giver. You're not a blesser. You're not in the system. And no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. You cannot. You got to serve God and enjoy the wealth and share it or you won't get the wealth. And if you get the wealth, you'll lose the wealth and then you'll be asking, where's the wealth? Now, this is the truth. I hope you believe it as truth. God rewards those who choose him over money. For this reason, 
Oh, I love this. This is all in the same text, Matthew 6. I love this. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Now look at the implication. God says, these are birds. They don't do anything, but I feed them. Aren't you worth more than birds to me? If I will feed them and they don't do anything. Don't you think I can take care of you? But we have this idea, this rugged American individuality. I've got to do it for me. Well, go ahead with your bad self. I am going to do what God says so he can take care. <laughs> I told you, Proverbs 10, 22, the blessing, the blessing, the what? The blessing of the Lord maketh rich. And he, the Lord, adds no sorrow to it. And you read it in the original, and no amount of toil can add to it. Yeah. See, some folk aren't satisfied. I, I pray I get to my last text where I talk about this a matter of contentment. If you're not content, you'll never be content. I don't care how many blessings God gives you. You'll never be to you. Just be one selfish something. That's what you'll be. But this is saying, I'll, I, you're much more than that. And, uh, and who of you being worried, because the start out said, don't worry. You, who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? I'm worried. What does worry do? Worry exposes the fact you don't trust God. All of us worry. I'm not condemning you. But when we're worrying, just understand what worry is. Worry is, I don't trust God here. Wow. And that's okay. Just recognize it so your prayer can change. Lord, help me to trust you in this because I don't. I want to. That's like the man who brought his son, the demoniac, to the disciples and they couldn't do anything with him when Jesus came down from the mountain. Uh, they said, he said, can you do something? He says, if you believe, yeah, I can do this. And he said, I do believe, in parenthesis, as much as I can. Help my unbelief. I brought him. That's how much belief I had. But I'm scared nobody can do anything. Your disciples worked on it all day. They couldn't do anything. I'm concerned that this, my son, cannot be healed. But I brought him. That's what I could believe. I believed enough to bring him. Now help what I can't believe. And that's how we have to be in every area of life when we begin to worry. God, I'm worried because I don't believe. Help my unbelief. Yes. The only thing that would help that man's unbelief was the miracle. Yes. Mercy. So God helped his unbelief. So now the man could fully believe. Not only do I believe you can, I now believe you will. Yes. 
Yeah, I'm about to shout right here by myself. I don't like doing this, but I needed what I just said right there for me. Why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. And yet I say to you, not one, not even Solomon in all his glory is clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, ye of little faith. Do not worry then, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Now, who is a Gentile? A Gentile is somebody who doesn't believe in God. The way that Gentiles pursue life is they go after stuff. So now why are you, my people, going after stuff? The Gentiles do this. Unbelievers go chasing after what they'll eat and drink and what they'll wear. That's what unbelievers do. So why are you believers acting like unbelievers? Especially knowing that God already knows you need this stuff. That's what the Bible says. You're chasing after the stuff. God knows you need it. Now stop that. Gentiles do it that way. But people of God go after something else. Not stuff. But the people of God have stuff. God will see to it you have stuff. You could be a slave down in Egypt before you leave, you will have the stuff. (laughs) Somebody's getting what I'm talking about. (laughs) See, we got to start believing the Bible and God and what he has to say. We are acting like unbelievers. What should we seek? First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let's break that down a little bit. God is the king of the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness really means first find out what the sovereign of the kingdom says you ought to do and do what the king says. Don't do what the Gentiles do. Seek God's way of doing things. If you got financial problems, your first issue is return tithe and offering. I don't care if it's a little dollar. I got a dollar. Lord, I can't even do anything. That's right. You can't do anything with it. So why don't you give God his part first? Do it God's way, you'll get God's kingdom result. Woo! Yeah. 
I'm shouting because I'm trying to get it in you. Some of you don't believe. Some of you are bored. But that's all right. If you want to live at the highest level, which is the level of love, which is the level of God, God has no needs. God owns everything. Whatever he needs, it comes. Do you know God's a bad man? When he decides he wants something that doesn't exist, he just says it, and what does not exist will gather itself in front of him. And by the way, he gave you the same ability. The reason it doesn't work is because of that James text I gave you. You're trying to do it to show. You know, there was a man named Simon who saw the disciples laying hands on people and they were getting the Holy Ghost. Simon said, I can make some money with that. Would you please sell me the ability? <laughs> And they told me, you are crazy. This is God stuff. And that, but that's how we go after it. Oh, man, I could get rich if I do. Okay, God, give me that ability. That's not what it's about. It's about honoring God, worshiping God, yeah. obeying God. And everything that God has, he will give to you. But you can't get it the other way around. Give me this stuff and I'll be like you. It ain't going to happen. Oh, Lord, I need you to help me teach this part right here. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what will be added to you? What things? The things he talked about earlier. What to eat, what to drink, what to wear. All the things you're worried about and God already knows you need. He says all of that. You won't have to go get it. I'll give it to you. I'm trying to get stuff to you. I'm not trying to take anything from you. I ought to quit here, but I'm feeling inspired. I want to keep going. <laughs> so do not worry. Don't worry. All the rest of that is just ancillary. Don't worry. Oh, I'm done with that part. I got another. Now you need to queue up the next one. While they're queuing that up, are there any questions? I only have two more slides. It's going to take me 30 minutes to explain them, but I only have two more slides. <laughs> I only have two more. Any questions while we're, we're dirt? I'm serious. Any questions while we're changing over? I just want to show you two texts in Timothy, and I won't take 30 minutes, I promise. No questions? You all are extremely intelligent. <laughs> I'm going to take credit for being a masterful teacher. That's what I'm going to do, because you're not asking any questions. So we've discovered one thing we're supposed to see, God's way of doing things. There's something else we should be chasing, not money. It is not money. I'm ready when you are. It is not money. But if you want money and you chase this, money will chase you. Let me say that again. You don't ever have to chase money because if you do things God's way, money will chase you. Yes. Tell me if there's a difference between conscious giving and spontaneous giving. Is there a difference between conscious giving and spontaneous giving? 
I'm going to interpret your words, and if I'm wrong, correct me. Uh, conscious giving, I'm saying, is predetermined giving. That would be, I am sitting down with God, and I am making a conscious decision about what I'm going to do. Spontaneous giving is, an appeal comes, it pulls my heartstring, and I open my wallet. Is that what you're suggesting? Okay, it's all right to do spontaneous giving. It is really a relationship issue to do conscious giving. Meaning, I'm sitting down with God and I'm saying, God, here are the decisions I have made that have put me in a bad financial situation. And frankly, I don't want to give tithes and offerings. Let's be honest. Because I want that money to work toward these bills I've got. But... As part of what you have required of me in terms of our relationship, because God does not need the money. The church does not need the money. You can keep the money because God only. Exodus 25, just write that down and remember it for later. When they were out in the wilderness, God said, go ask the people for a contribution, but only from those who are willing. The rest of them don't need to give me anything. But the, from the willing, make me a sanctuary that I might dwell among them. Now about three or four chapters later, they finally, after apostasy and ignoring God and all kinds of things, they finally started giving. And when they started giving, they were giving so much from those who were willing. The unwilling didn't need to. From those who were willing, Moses had to stand up and say, stop giving. I've got too much. I have never ever in my life been in a church where I had to stand up. <laughs> and I pray, that's part of my prayer. Lord, let me one time just pastor a church where I can stand up and say, we got so much money, we don't know what to do with it. Don't give another dime. I'm looking forward to that. But, but, what was my point? I was making a point. <laughs> that was spontaneous. The point was, God doesn't need the money from any of us to get what he wants done in the church. Let me prove it to you. I was pastoring a church one time, long place away from here, nowhere in the Alleghenies, and we got down to the point where there was zero in the church banking account. Nothing. And, and we were renting a facility, and of course we had ongoing expenses. We had nothing. And somebody out of the blue it wasn't out of the blue. God sent them. Just walked up to me one day and said, the Lord told me that you needed this and hand me a check for $10,000. And the church rolled on. What I'm telling you is God doesn't need any of us to get his work done. It is our privilege to be involved. Never chase money. What should you chase? Godliness. Chase godliness. Not money. And guess what? When you are godly, money chases you. Now, I know you don't believe me. I don't expect you to believe me. But it's the truth. And one day, it will be revealed. <laughs> that when you are godly, money chases you. You know why? Because you will do with it whatever God says to do with it. Some will be for you and some will be for others. 
but it'll chase you down. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. But have nothing to do with worldly fables, fables fit for all women. On the other hand, decide, discipline yourself for a purpose. The purpose of what? Godliness for bodily discipline is of little diff, uh, uh, profit. But godliness is profitable for what? For what? For what? Godliness is profitable for everything. Since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving of full acceptance for it is for this we labor and strive. What do we labor and strive for? Godliness. Because we have fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men, especially of believers. Prescribe and teach these things. If anyone advocates a different doctrine and does not agree with sound words, those of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the doctrine conforming to Godliness, he is conceited and understands what? But he has a morbid interest in controversial questions and disputes about words out of which arise envy, strife, abusive language, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of depraved minds and deprived of the truth. Who suppose, men who are deprived of the truth, suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Some folk give tithe for what they get from it. That's not, the Bible is talking about folk like that as not godly. But then verse 6 says, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied with contentment. If we cannot be content where we are, we will not be content though the world is ours. Chase godliness, not money. Godliness is a means of great gain. When it's accompanied with contentment. So at every level of life, whatever level that is, if I can learn to be content, that's what Paul said, I've learned the secret. Whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Learn to be content. Chase godliness because that's a means of great gain. Do you know if you own a business, people will want to do business with you because you're godly. If you were a shyster, people will not want to do business with you. And though for a little while you're able to make great profit, once they figure out you're a shyster, they will have nothing else to do with you and your business will close. But if you are godly, if you're the kind of person that says, if there's a mistake, I'll, I'll make it to my credit and you, you get to get the difference. If you're a godly person, the world will beat a path to your door and you will have no end of business. Godliness is a means of great gain. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. I don't have to be rich, and I am not rich, but I have no needs. I am not rich, but I do not have any needs. What's the difference? I don't know the difference between rich and no needs. 
Because I learned to be content. I would like to have a Bentley. Anybody got one for me? I'm willing to take it. I would love to have a Bentley. I don't have a Bentley, but I'm content with my Cadillac. <laughs> you got to learn to be content. One day, if the Lord is willing, I'll have a Bentley and all the people will be talking about him, why that preacher shouldn't sell that car so all the poor people in the world will have food. Because <laughs> you know that's what they're going to say because they don't have a Bentley. I understand that. <laughs> but he gives us all things richly to enjoy. So for a season, I'll drive my Bentley and then I'll be happy to turn it over to somebody else. And it'll be my privilege because it won't be mine anyway. Now, I know some folk missed the whole blessing of the sermon because I said I want a Bentley. That's all right. <laughs> but those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money. It's not money, it's the love of money is the root of all evil. Chase all evil back to money. I mean, trace all evil back to money. The love of money why did Madoff go to jail for the rest of his life? The love of money. Why did they accuse that former mayor of Chicago and now he's going off? The love of money. The love of money is the root. But there are five more things you're supposed to chase and then I'm going to give, put blood in the sermon and make an appeal. You didn't think I was just talking for the fun of it, did you? There are five other things you ought to chase there in verse 11. You should pursue righteousness, godliness, love, faith, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. You were called to eternal life. You were called to eternal life. Nobody in this room should go to hell. You were called to eternal life. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So chase, not money, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. And everything you need, God will provide to you. There's another slide I'm going to show you. But before I do that, I want to remind you, the reason I'm able to get up here and scream and holler and get all excited is because... 2,000 years ago, Jesus went to the cross. 2,000 years ago, he knew all of us would make some stupid decisions. 2,000 years ago, he recognized all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has gone to our own way. Sin has easily beset everybody in the building. And anybody who says they don't sin, that's the sin right there. <laughs> that's called a lie. Now, I don't practice sin. There is a difference. There's a difference between practicing sin and sinning. All we, we make these mistakes. We fall, but we got to get back up. For he says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, yet will he not be utterly cast down. For the Lord himself will uphold him with his right hand. That's possible because Jesus went to the cross and paid for all of our sins. 
Jesus went to the cross and paid for all of our sin. I no longer fear death because I don't fear going to hell. I don't fear going to hell because all I had to do was accept a free gift called salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And neither the grace or the faith was your own. It was a gift. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So if you're messing up your life, you can come to Jesus. If you don't think you're messing up your life, you can come to Jesus. Because we've all messed up. But he paid the price. And on that cross, he made a decision. I love you so much. I would die and risk never going back to my father in order for you to have the opportunity to make a decision to walk with me. Now, when you make the decision to walk with him, the first thing that happens is you're saved. You may not be all changed, but you are saved. The robe of righteousness is put over the filth of your sin. So that God doesn't see sin, he sees the robe of the righteousness of Christ on you. Once that robe is on you, now he says, now let's work together to get rid of that sin. You're not lost because you still have the sin. You're saved because I paid for that sin. And now I'm going to work with you to work it out of your life so that you can learn to walk with me in, in a clean life now. And it's because of the blood I shed on Calvary that you have the opportunity to become everything I had in mind when I gave you life.